Hello and uh, welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the medical education podcast from the Children's Emergency Department in Derby. I'm your host again, Ian Lewins, one of the consultants there, and I'm delighted to be joined yet again uh, by a previous guest of ours, uh, Dr. Mike Farker, who's one of the consultants in sleep medicine at the Evelina Children's Hospital in London. Good evening, Mike. How are you? Good evening, I'm well, thank you, how are you? Excellent, yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, so we talked about sleep last time. This time we're going to talk about another project which you've been hugely involved in, uh, which is getting an awful lot of, of attention and traction on social media at the moment, which is the NHS uh, Rainbow Badges project. Um, and I guess the first thing that I wanted to know about it was how it all started. How did you get involved in this project in the first place? So this is something that actually, so it kind of goes back to Twitter in a little uh, way. Um, this started as a, a conversation between a group of friends, um, and most of us actually had originally met via Twitter, a couple of us had knew each other uh, beforehand. Uh, and we happened to be away uh, together and we were just sitting chatting about our own experiences. So we come from fairly mixed backgrounds, so some doctors, some nurses, working all across the UK, um, different personal backgrounds. And we were just chatting about experiences of LGBT people coming through healthcare uh, and a mixture of, so some of us had our own personal stories in relation to that. And then we all had uh, examples of patients uh, or families who'd come through uh, where that had been an issue. Um, and we were talking about ways to try and address some of the challenges, which I think we'll probably go on and speak a bit more about in a minute. Yeah. We know that uh, LGBT people have specific challenges when they face healthcare. And we spoke about some of the ways that those issues have been addressed in other areas. So things like rainbow lanyards or the rainbow uh, shoelaces that are used to try and tackle homophobia in football. Um, And I guess we were kind of talking about the power of these uh, really simple symbols to send strong messages about inclusion and uh, to challenge homophobia and outdated attitudes where they might exist. Uh, and then one of the group, um, Dr. Jay Cares, who's a consulting paediatrician uh, at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Woolwich, um, said, "Isn't it? You know, is there not a, a badge or something that has the NHS logo and uh, the rainbow flag?" And we all kind of went, "Oh, that's a really good idea. That there must somebody must have done that." And then we looked, and nobody had. So we kind of thought, "Oh, well, this is something that somebody should do." And then it was kind of at the end of the holiday, and it just it, we all kind of forgot about it. I think. Um, so it's percolating in the back of my mind from then and then about six months later I think I just had one of those really awful days at work where you know where you just felt like everything was going wrong and not necessarily through anyone's fault or anything it was just that you know that you know what it's like working in the NHS at the moment where you feel like you're trying to do your best and sometimes you just can't and I've had one of those days I just thought I just want to do something positive and that idea came back to me Um, and that's where it kind of came from Um, so that's where it was born um, from there, I decided that I wasn't quite sure how it was all going to work. Mm. So another friend uh, who's a designer, so Marty Bogart, who uh, is uh, someone with a lot of design experience, um, and said to her, look, here's the basic idea. Can you turn that into something real? She did. Um, and then I found a company, sent it off, paid for a few badges to be made. And then I started sending them, I sent them uh, kind of without warning people to begin with, to a few friends and a few people that I thought would be interested, uh, a lot of them the people that I knew from Twitter, yeah. to get it going. And that was where it really began. So that was December 2017, uh, was when we really started sending them out. There was 100 to begin with, and they kind of started to pop up on social media and Twitter. And I think it became clear quite quickly that it was an idea that had a lot of traction, and everything then kind of followed from there. Yeah, and I mean, I, I sort of saw that on, on Twitter a lot, and 
you know, it got a very positive reaction. Did, I mean, were you met with pretty much universal positivity to people you sent it to? I have to say, yeah, um, certainly. And, you know, so the first hundred badges or so, they all went to people who were either friends or colleagues or people who I knew would be fairly receptive to the idea anyway. And part of that was that I was, at the back of my mind, I kind of knew that I, if this was going to do anything, I had to have some way of building it into something bigger. Um, so I kind of deliberately, I guess, sent them to people who I thought would react positively, and, and they did. But I think what I wasn't quite prepared for was how quickly that grew. So people were delighted with them, were tweeting them, talking about them. And I think as soon as people saw them, they kind of saw the potential um, for combining um, those two really simple singles, uh, symbols, the NHS logo and the pride flag, and what that could potentially mean to people um, accessing healthcare um, and how it could start to challenge some of those attitudes. So it kind of all snowballed quite quickly, actually, uh, from there. And I mean, one of the things that, you, you know, when people ever tweeted a picture of their badge, you would immediately have five or six people pop up and go, where can I get one? Yeah, uh, and absolutely. I, I mean, did you get approached quite a lot to say, where can I get one, where can I get one? Yeah, I still do. Um, <laughs> so, yes, and at the beginning, uh, so the first hundred, I said, I paid for, uh, and eventually I did another uh, 200 mm. altogether. So we had to do a little bit of uh, tinkering with the design. Um, uh, so you and I have worked together. You know that when I decide to do something, I tend to just go and do it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't necessarily follow all the rules when I first started doing this. And we became aware as the project did start to snowball that we hadn't, for example, followed uh, exactly the rules about using the NHS logo. Right. So we did some things. So there was three different versions of the badge. There was the original 100, uh, there was a slightly smaller version with a similar design, and then there was uh, uh, kind of the, the same size as the original, but with the redesigned one that took into account the use of the NHS logo. So those 300 were what got it going, to be perfectly honest. And, um, sorry, carry on. I was going to say, and yes, um, there was a huge demand. Um, so uh, there was just no way to keep up with it. People going, I want one, I want one. How do we get these? This is brilliant. Uh, trying to contain that a little bit was a bit tricky at the beginning, but I, I think we kind of squared it eventually. And I mean, it's 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 great to have that sort of in, initial first 300 and people interested, but to then turn it into a, you know, a bigger sort of all-encompassing project, yeah. how did you sort of push that forward? So... I always knew that if this was going to mean anything, it had to be about more than just the badge itself. So the kind of to I kind of get off on a little bit of a tangent to begin with. The reason why this is important. So there's two really key pieces of work um, that I was aware of that Stonewall uh, were responsible uh, for producing over the last uh, few years. Um, so I'm a paediatrician. Um, so my background is very much children and young people and Stonewall produced, they've done uh, two updates now, uh, something called the School Report, um, which talks about the, the real experience of what it's like being an LGBT um, child or young person in the UK today. And there is this um, very general idea, I think that things are a lot better, and they are. So when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and things were pretty awful. If you were a gay kid in the 80s, then um, life was not really in your favor. And we've had, had so much improvement in terms of both uh, social changes and legal changes to make things better. And I think on one level, people kind of think, oh yeah, that battle's been won, it's all fine now, we don't need to worry about that, it's all fixed and sorted. Mm -hmm. But actually, what Stonewall have shown and what we, we all kind of know is that when you look at what the real experience still is of kids and teenagers who identify as LGBT growing up, they still face huge challenges. So 
significant numbers of them are still bullied at school. Um, significant numbers of them still feel that they don't have somebody that they can talk openly to about how they are evolving their, their feelings about their sexual identity or their gender identity. And when that happens, as you will well know, as children and teenagers, when, when they can't talk to people about how they're thinking and feeling, particularly complex feelings like this, it all gets turned inwards. And as soon as that gets turned inwards, their risk of secondary problems really starts to rise. So their risk of anxiety, of depression goes up, their rates of self-harm are significantly higher than the population in general, and their rates of attempted suicide is significantly higher than the population in general. So we know there are some real problems that are still there for large numbers um, of kids and young people who identify as LGBT. So that was the first bit. Um, and I think that one of our responsibilities as consulting paediatricians is that we are here to be advocates. We are here to give voice to children and young people, no matter what their problems or concerns are, if they feel they can't get voice or traction in their own right, we are here to help them. It's part of our job. It's in the job description as far as I'm concerned. So that was the first bit that I, I wanted to try to do something that helped that. The second bit also comes from another piece of work that Stonewall have done um, called the Unhealthy Attitudes Report. And this looks at the attitude towards LGBT, LGBT people when they come through the NHS. And again, unfortunately, there is still a very negative, um, uh, pervasive attitude that still persists in some quarters. So about a quarter of LGBT people have heard NHS staff make negative comments, not necessarily about themselves, but in their earshot, they have heard uh, NHS staff make negative comments about LGBT people. About a quarter of NHS staff have heard colleagues make negative comments about LGBT people. And it means that for lots of LGBT people, they feel anxious or nervous about coming to seek healthcare uh, assistance because they don't know the reaction they're gonna get. They're gonna feel judged. They're gonna feel that people are gonna respond to them because of their sexuality or their gender identity. And what I think is terrifying is that one in seven of LGBT, LGBT people in this country would choose not to go and see a doctor or a nurse if they had a health concern because they're worried about the reaction they're going to get. Wow. That, again, significantly increases their risk of harm because if they're dealing with physical or mental health problems and they feel they can't come talk to somebody, then those problems snowball. So putting those two things together, that's what I wanted the badge to be part of, was trying to tackle those problems. So what the badge is meant to be about is a way to uh, symbolise, I guess, or signal um, people who are wearing it are particularly good people for LGBT people to feel confident in talking to about issues related to sexuality or gender identity. I think we all have that responsibility anyway. Um, I think that's part of our jobs as being NHS clinicians. We all have a responsibility to be uh, aware of issues relating to equality, diversity, inclusion, and we should be modelling that in our practice. But the evidence tells us that significant numbers of people still aren't. So the badge is a, is a way of making explicit the people who are really trying their best to counter those uh, perceptions and to make things better. And that work, there needed to be a model behind it. Sorry, you've got one. Yeah, I mean, what would you say to sort of people who would say, isn't this just a bit of tokenism, really? So that's exactly what I don't want it to be, um, and it's why, um, so I think a lot of people got quite frustrated with us at various points, um, so um, we are very clear that to get a badge, it's not just a case of picking up a badge from a bowl on a table and sticking it on your lanyard or on your uniform. To get a badge, you have to at least show that you are aware of these issues, 
and you have to understand the challenges that LGBT people face. You have to understand what your role might be in helping to reduce those challenges or to help where it might be needed and how to either directly help or probably more importantly, just to be somebody who can listen with an open mind and if you can't be the help to whatever problem is raised, at least you know how to signpost them onward to resources that are going to help. So it needs to be embedded in that. So it isn't just a tokenistic uh, approach. Um, I think a lot of people get a little bit frustrated because we're quite strict about saying, well, actually, we're not giving out badges to just anyone. You have to sign up. And one of the things that we really make sure that people do when they sign up is they accept that wearing a badge is a responsibility. It's not just a nice bit of bling, hmm. it is it's something that means something, both to the person seeing it, but it also has a responsibility on the part of the person wearing it. And so once you sort of got this up and running um, oh, as a start, uh, how did you kind of spread that within? I understand you, you sort of piloted it within your local trust. How did you get that off the ground? Yeah, so, so that initial 200, 300 badges got a lot of uh, attention and traction. Um, there came to a point where um, uh, I then had a conversation with my own trust. So I work for Evelyn London Children's Hospital, which is part of Guys and St Thomas's uh, NHS Foundation Trust, um, about what I'd done, basically. And the response was really positive. Um, the, the people that I spoke to said, this is a great idea. You haven't quite done it right yet. Um, if you want this to be something that's going to be able to spread and uh, be a positive uh, feature, I guess, across the whole of the NHS, we need to do a bit of work about making sure this is right. Mm. So that was where we really started to have the conversations about building that model around the badge and what that was going to look like and how we would put that into practice, how we would pilot it and how we would then turn that into something that could be replicated elsewhere. One of the things I love about working at, uh, at Evelina London is that we are already a trust that I think embodies um, all of that attitude towards uh, an inclusive, supportive, safe environment. Um, and the, the senior culture at Evelina London tends to be phenomenally supportive uh, about people coming up with ideas and trying to find ways to translate that into something that can then uh, roll. So after a few initial conversations, we um, very clearly had the support from our uh, senior execs. Um, we involved uh, the wider support of guys and St. Thomas's. So we involved our uh, LGBT forum through the trust. We involved the senior team, particularly in the comms team uh, at guys and St. Thomas's. And then we sat down and we really thought about what this was going to look like. And that was probably taking place over the first six months or so of 2018, that kind of translation and transformation of what it was going to look like. To the point that by the time we got to the summer, we were ready to roll this out as a pilot. And we did that uh, at the Evelina uh, in October last year. Um, and by that point, we had a pretty good model. That is what has then gone on to become the, the, the model that we're rolling out across the NHS now. Yeah, and, and I guess it, I think you're similar to me that once you've got a, an idea in your mind, you think I'm going to run with this and do this. Yeah. You've got a bit of a period where you, you, somebody says, hang on, are you doing it right? Was that frustrating at all or? Was it important to get yeah. it right? So I think the thing that, and again, this is where a lot of people got frustrated. So, you know, the initial social media buzz was kind of December 2017, mm. you know, the first three months of 2018. And then we went a bit quiet for a while um, because it was going to take time to build that model and make sure it was something that was going to be able to be replicated. And I think that frustrated a lot of people. Like, well, why can't I just have a badge now? I want one now. 
um, you know, what's the problem, what's the holdup? Mm. And as you all know, it takes a lot of time and effort actually to get these things right. And behind the scenes, there was lots of discussion and negotiation. So um, we had um, conversations uh, around about making sure we were using the, the NHS logo appropriately. And yeah. that took a bit of uh, revising the design and making sure that that was all okay. Um, it had lots of discussions with uh, both with our own uh, trust, the LGBT network, but we went to the NHS England LGBT network. We had discussions uh, with other organisations to say, are we, you know, do you think we're doing this right? Do you think we should be doing things differently? Um, because we knew the pilot was going to be at Evelina London, a really important part of the work from us, or from our perspective, was that we went to the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health and said, we want to do this, we want to make sure that it fits, is this something that they would be interested in? And they were great, they said yes, and they came back to us and said, you know that if we're going to do this and you want it to be something that makes sense to children and young people, we should be asking the children and young people. So we involved RCPCH and us, which you'll know, um, <clears throat> so RCPCH and us is the, the division, I guess, of the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child's Health that involves the voice of children and young people in everything that our college does. It's one of the things I think that makes our college really distinctive. We involve our patients, our children and young people in everything that we do. And we did focus group work. So we did a, a kind of a series of focus group sessions over a period of months with um, uh, groups of uh, teenagers mainly. Uh, about what it meant to them, about how we would uh, get the, the supporting materials right for them, uh, what they would think when they saw it, how we would take that forward. And that was a really important part of getting it right for us. But that all takes time. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of frustration at that point where people were just going, well, why can't we have it now? Yeah, yeah. So I, this is sort of fairly biggish launch across social media in the last sort of week or so. Um, yeah. What's what's sort of where where are you at now with the project and what's the next step? So um, we did that kind of the, so the pilot bit. We did a little bit of media, but not very much. The pilot of London was really about making sure it worked. Yeah. As you said, in the last uh, week or so, we've done two launches in parallel. So the first launch that we did was to uh, the rest of our trust. So Evelina London sits within Guy's and St. Thomas's. What we've done over the last uh, week or so is launch this across the whole of Guy's and St. Thomas's. We have about two and a half thousand staff working for Evelina London. About a third of those have now signed up for badges uh, since October last year. And there's about 16,000 people work overall for Guy's and St. Thomas's. And we have to do a bit of uh, editing of materials to make it uh, more appropriate for adult settings and all the rest of it. Yeah. In the first four days, uh, when we uh, opened up the applications to the, the project, we had over a thousand people apply. So the, the response was phenomenal mm. and we timed it. We had um, our uh, uh, annual LGBT History Month event was at the end of February there. Uh, and we did timed the, the launch with that. And just the, the buzz was amazing. The people coming going, I really want this, I get it. I really want to be a part of this. So that was brilliant. And um, the spread across the trust is now happening uh, really well. So we're only into the second week of that, but it's, it's been a great response so far. In parallel to that, what we've also been developing over the last few months was what we call our implementation toolkits, which was basically a way to package everything that we'd done into a simple, straightforward guide that we could then send to any trust that was interested to say, look, you, you think this is a good idea, you want to do this, here's everything that you need, and we think, to put this into practice. So it gave uh, you know, all the materials that we developed, you know, our leaflets, our posters, the supporting materials, how we designed our websites, um, the kind of things that we got people to sign up to and examples of that. We 
and got the funding um, for our projects from our charity. So the GSTT charity gave us two grants uh, to, to do this. So we gave examples of if, if other hospitals were going to go to their charities. Well, this is what we said as part of our bid. So basically the whole package of how to do that. And again, we've had a lot of interest over the last year about people wanting to be part of that. So we had kind of a list of people queued up. Yeah. So I'm just waiting. And um, once I get two more trusts signed up, um, we will have sent one of these toolkits to 50% of every acute NHS trust in England. Wow. Um, and that's basically in the space of 10 days, um, which again, I think is a really um, phenomenal response. We don't know for definite that everyone will actually say, OK, we're going to do this. But actually, I know quite a lot of people are going to put this practice. So I think what we're seeing is a really great response to this that I think will translate into this project being picked up across the rest of uh, the NHS. And then that's an incredible response in such a short time to, to, yeah. to this. And I think that, that maybe reflects that people recognise the value of this um, and can see why it matters. I hope so, yeah. And I think one of the, the, the best things about this project, so um, the work with RCPCH and us is amazing. So any paediatrician listening to this who's never worked with RCPCH and us, I thoroughly recommend that you do it. It's a, it's a brilliant experience. Um, the teenagers, we gave them the badges. We didn't tell them anything else about it. We just gave them badges. And they get it immediately. It's such a strong symbol, this kind of uh, mm. combination of the NHS logo and the pride flag. And what they said to us, actually, one of the very first comments that one of them said to me was, yeah, this is brilliant, but you're a paediatrician. I never see a paediatrician. We want these in GP practice because that's what really matters to us. And we're, we're, we're working really hard to get this into GP practices. We think that we've got a few that have done it already. The toolkits are adaptable for GPs uh, and doing that. And we will continue to, to work and try and get that in because that's where they want to see it. Because when they think of doctors, it's GPs that they yeah. think of. So th that was an amazing part of the project, to be honest. And you know, how are you sort of trying to just manage this so that you're not getting thousands and thousands and thousands of emails from people <laughs> saying, I want a toolkit, I want a toolkit? How, um, how, are you, how are you managing that? So I try to be reasonably clear. So a lot of this is still being mediated through uh, social media and Twitter in particular. So I try to be reasonably clear with people about what the uh, expectations of signing up to the project are. So there's, there's a lot of expectation management done by that. And actually it's, it's worked reasonably well. I have a fairly slick system now for, you know, so we've got standard emails that we send, you know, if you're an individual working within the NHS, then you get a standard email back that says, brilliant that you're interested, here's how the project works, please go and discuss with your local equality, diversity, inclusion lead, see if they're interested. Yeah. If they're interested, get them to get in touch and we'll send them a toolkit. Um, so it all works pretty smoothly now, um, and I've got it down to as fine an art as I can manage. Um, but yeah, the demand's been amazing. So and then very much what we try and do is once we've got somebody senior enough in a trust to be able to sign up the trust to the model and to uh, say that they will take responsibility for uh, making sure it's applied. With, you know, so we're not going and policing this, but what we really want people to do is to make sure that that emphasis that this is a responsibility is not lost. So what we're asking trusts to do is not just to buy the badges, but also to put in place the supporting framework that means it is something meaningful and not, as you said, just a token. Um, and then they also obviously have to be senior enough to be able to work out how they're going to fund it. Um, which is a big part of it. Um, although I think 
Um, certainly, a lot of the, the, the expansions we've done so far has been funded by um, hospital charities. And so far, the hospital charities have been really enthusiastic about it. They see the value in this as well, and they're quite happy to support it. And the amount of money, in, in their terms, is not massive, actually, to get this off the ground. Yeah. So, largely, it's, it's, it's contacting your diversity and equality representative and saying, look, this is something I think we should be involved in, and getting them yeah. to contact you is, is the way forward. Yeah. That, that's the kind of standard way. Um, I'd say so, um, although probably about 50% of the people that we've got as contacts are equality, diversity, inclusion leads. Um, we've got chief execs, we've got chairmen, we've got medical directors, we've got heads of HR, um, we've got heads of LGBT forums and trusts. You know, so that as long as it's somebody that's senior enough um, to uh, be able to commit the trust to the model and somebody who clearly gets the underlying principles, then, then that works for us. So equality, diversity, inclusion leads are a great place to start, but they're, they're not the only people okay. in trust that would be able to do this. Okay. I guess sort of just starting to wrap things up, are you going to be able to measure the success of this project? Is, is there a planned sort of visit, yes, at, um, revisit you know, attitudes and those sorts of things? Yeah, so I think that probably won't be us. I think so. Um, so looking at the, the attitudes overall, whilst I think this project has a lot of potential to be part of a solution, in all honesty, it's only ever going to be a small part of the solution. And there needs to be a much bigger piece of work going on with the NHS to acknowledge these unhealthy attitudes that you know clearly still exist um, and about how we address those. So. I think this project is hopefully a small part of that solution, but we're never going to change all of that by ourselves. And, and that's been recognised. So the um, uh, Pearson report that was published last week as well, the, the one looking at NHS staff wellbeing, um, had a, a reasonable bit to say about uh, NHS staff's experience of LGBT uh, challenges and support. Um, and so I think that will all connect together, first of all. Um, Quantitatively, it's quite difficult to measure this. Mm. So we can measure uptake, we can measure you know number of trusts that are interested, we can measure number of people within a trust who want to sign up to it. Uh, but I think that gives us a pretty superficial measure, to be honest. Um, the difficulty is is that really measuring the impact is is quite nebulous. You know, so mm. uh, as a teenager, if I'd gone to a GP or a hospital and I'd seen somebody wearing something like this. I might never have said to that person, oh, that's great, you're wearing it, but I would have felt more confident just seeing it. And that's difficult to measure. And I think that means that a lot of the measurement of the project is going to be uh, qualitative and it's going to be through stories. And we've had those already. So one of the things that you may have seen uh, you know, over the last year or so, the, the response on Twitter, is people talking about those stories. And the most common thing that people say are, just by wearing this badge, I've had conversations that I would never have had. And some of those conversations are amazingly powerful. There are you know, children, young people, young adults in phenomenally vulnerable positions who would never have had that conversation about what was the root cause, what had got them to the situation and circumstance they were in if they hadn't made that connection with somebody. And that initial connection was seeing them wear the badge. And I've got lots of small examples of that already and, I, and they grow all the time but that is the key theme it's the people feel more supported more confident uh, when they see the badge and it starts conversations that otherwise wouldn't have happened yeah um, i've seen that happen in my own clinic lots of times you know people kind of look at my badge and go what's that about yeah. i tell them and then they go all right and then you can see them thinking about it and then suddenly they disclose something that they've clearly never talked about before um, that has, you know, they, they've been looking for somebody to talk to, uh, I guess, so it makes a big difference. I think. 
um, <coughs> and all this came from a discussion on in a pub on holiday. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, never underestimate the uh, power of a pub conversation to, to lead to something that's going to uh, have a, what I hope is a big difference. Um, and I think, you know, so I think um, there's a lot of negative feeling about social media and Twitter quite a lot of the time. But for me, that initial spark of an idea was absolutely fanned and flamed by how this project spread on Twitter and social media. And we generated so much positivity, so much enthusiasm, so much stories from those first handful of badges that by the time it got to a point where I was sitting down and having that conversation with people about, I think this is a really good idea. I think we need to do something to translate this into something bigger. Everybody was kind of going, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I get that. Whereas I think if I'd done this the other way around, if I'd just gone with the idea to somebody and said, what do you think? I think, we probably would have got there anyway, because as you know, I'm quite stubborn. But I think it would have taken us a lot longer to do it. So I think that amplification of the idea right at the very beginning by Twitter was really important in getting it off the ground. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. And I think, you know, a lot of people have looked at this project and, and think that, that you and those others involved in this are, are absolute heroes. And I want to thank you very much for doing this. Um, and that. It's certainly been a really positive experience so far, I have to say. And I'm really hopeful about its potential as it spreads. Lovely. Thank you so much, Mike, and uh, have a good evening. Thank you, you too. Take care. Bye.